You have queued up The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? Welcome to the Roulette Tapes Podcast. I'm Susan James. For this episode, we feature electronic music composer, improviser, and performance artist Crystal Peñalosa, whose work often highlights issues of safety, vulnerability, and finding her voice as a transgender woman. We open the conversation with her interest in electronic sounds, and we'll start with an excerpt of her work in a trio concert with Jim Denley on sax and Joe Hertenstein on percussion, recorded in 2018 at Outpost Artist Resources. Here's Crystal. My background with electronics actually started in my first semester when I was studying urban planning. It was a master's of urban planning at NYU. I just had a, a week off to myself and I was like, oh, I should probably pick up an Arduino. It's like one of these little microcontrollers you can plug stuff into and there's a workshop that you could take and it was to make your own drum machine. And I didn't even know what that was or what a drum machine could do at that point in my creative process, but it just sounded like an interesting thing to do in that knowing that technology with urban spaces was becoming a more of a common thing. I think the kiosks, and if you're familiar with them, and Link NYC kiosks, they're like these huge obelisks that I call them on the street. They're basically big surveillance units. Those started going up, so I, I wanted to understand, you know, kind of under the hood what was going on with the electronics. and. I had asked a couple friends who, who I knew were, were building their own devices as well as like a starting point. And they had suggested an Arduino was like a good place to start because it was so flexible and open-ended. And then it just kind of took off from there, really. There's like a lot of good educational resources online. So this maker, sort of DIY maker who had passed recently, his name is Ray Wilson, and he makes his own devices and has kits that you can buy. So you buy these little kits and I had a really crappy you know, work table with like really crappy tools. And I bought one of his kits and it's called the weird sound generator. <laughs> and it just made all these like really awful noises. And I didn't even know how to plug the thing in, honestly. Like I built it, I think I built it. I wasn't really sure even if I had actually built it correctly. Probably took me, you know, a couple weekends to build, but I was so intrigued by the process. And um, yeah, I just heard the sounds coming out of this thing. And I just felt like, you know, kind of like a jolt of pride, honestly. Like I was like, wow. This thing came from like little like components and metal parts. It just looks like a bunch of junk. And then it's, it looks like even worse junk because there's a bunch of wires hanging out of it, but it makes these amazing sounds. And then I got really interested and I was like, okay, well, this is, a, this is turning into a huge rabbit hole. And I walked into, this is a pretty common place where people go in New York, Control in Brooklyn. And Darren Ho, who's one of the co-owners there, gave me a demo of, of one of the devices that he had on the wall. And, and they're very intimidating devices, but they're modular synthesizers. And I just saw one of the devices and I was like, what am I doing studying urban planning right now? I should be really getting into this electronic stuff. And that was sort of my, my you know, aha moment. 
some of the things that I've done at Roulette at the past, I think initially started with Cabbage, some collaborations with her. Let me start with the one that I like totally remember, which was the most recent one, is these piano sort of vivification exercises. And I think in that collaboration, we were really interested in how the electronics were sort of sitting in the mix, I think, with like the piano and having this acoustic instrument and having this electronic instrument that requires to be amplified, you know, and obviously we're amplifying the piano as well. But, you know, I think from my perspective on that piece that I did with Cabard, we were really sensitive to where both things were in the mix. And I think this happens sometimes with, you know, electronics, maybe more so, but potentially other instruments as well. It's hard to get the mix right, I think, in terms of, you know, just, just balancing them. And I think even frequencies as well, there are some really dominant frequencies that electronics can sort of hold a lot of space in, and it could be very powerful, but it could also be really overwhelming too, I think, and that's sort of, when going back to like getting the mix right, it's like, what does that mean? It was really just like having, you know, the two instruments sort of like be in this conversation with each other that, that you know, in, in just pure mixing levels and, and frequency content, you know, there are some moments where I was playing and, you know, uh, in rehearsal and she was sort of doing her amazing work on the piano where it was hard to tell actually what was the piano and what was the electronics and I had to kind of tweak some things very slowly. I mean, just to sort of talk about Cabaret too, I think she's, at first, she's just a really good friend. Um, to, you know, where we've sort of just crossed paths. I think when she moved from Chicago to New York, I came across her work very quickly and just one of the most vibrant performers that I've ever met and just astounded me how present she was in performance and, and just her energy is, 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 is incredible.
There was another performance that I did, which is a solo performance, which was for the Mixology Festival that David Weinstein had asked me to, to play in 2019. 2019 was a pretty uh, tremendous year for me, both like, as I think as an artist, but also very personally as well. I was going through a lot of personal transformations. And there is a lot of vulnerability and uncomfortability that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of exploring in my work and exploring through just performance. And, and, and really at the, the core of it, it's just kind of me getting into my body and really just like understanding how I'm feeling in that sort of present moment with, you know, having a, a body in, in a public space and, and performing. Sometimes it's poetry, sometimes it's poetry with electronics. I'd say with that particular piece that I performed, I, I, I sort of think of it as sort of this extended narrative of me kind of grappling with various aspects of coming forward with about who I am about myself and, and being transgender. Being a woman with a deep voice, you're living with very like uncomfortable um, physical aspects about myself but still sort of coming forward with that and 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 having all that vulnerability in a public setting and in in a performance environment you know again just going back to like the, the kind of space that roulette provides i think being able to, to do that piece you know is really difficult i think in a lot of different spaces but i felt comfortable enough to do it in that space. The piece itself is really just like a lot of personal journaling, personal diary that, that sort of ends up in performance. So there are moments where, you know, I would just totally cut the music and just start talking to the audience and talking about some of those vulnerabilities. And that's a pretty scary thing for me to do. and you're trying to imagine that you can feel the uh, sound in your cheekbones, your eyeballs, and your forehead. Same pitch, the sound is mm as a Nancy. experience that I can relate to learning to speak in a new voice is in gym class where you're constantly told that you're not good enough, fast enough, and that you can constantly keep readjusting and readjusting, but in the end, you're following someone else's expectations. The hardest part is breaking habits that you've taken on from other people and learning to love yourself and realizing that you have everything you need in front of you. The 
So with the the video that's on the roulette page, it's again this sort of ongoing concept I have in my mind of just having vulnerability and growth. And there's actually a folder on my desktop that says the Institute of Vulnerability and Growth. <laughs> and this is like a fake institute, really. But ideally, this is where you know I sort of if I had physical space in New York, this would be the place where people would go to, you know, heal their bodies. So this is my huge idea of what this concept of vulnerability and growth means and sort of to exist in this very, you know, challenging world, honestly. And it's and and sad. There's a lot of sadness happening right now. But I think the amount of intimacy in that video is a couple things that I wanted to, to explore. First off, director of photography, she would call herself on this, which is a very like proper title, but my friend Moyesa Kurdi, she you know really has a very particular eye when it comes to capturing details really on film and she was responsible for, for the cinematography on that piece. And and then Bradley Eros, who was sort of I think the creative director and sort of creative person that, that I was working with on this piece. I mean, everyone's creative in the room, but he really, I think, you know, helped sort of give this objective perspective on, on what I wanted to do. A couple of things I wanted to do with that piece. The first aspect is really just to, to be open about where my body is in this certain point in my life. We had shot that a couple months before I had went through a very life-changing surgery. You know, I could be a very much more open about that. It was it was bottom surgery. It's gender confirmation surgery. I wanted to create a video that sort of captured how I felt about my body at that sort of particular time, right before I you know going through this life changing event. Obviously, yeah, there's a lot of feelings going into that. Feelings of shame, working through feelings of you know guilt of why did it take me so long to like get to this point in my life and and all of that. But really, I think. Once I started to peel back all those layers, I really started to get closer to just the amount of like self-compassion and self-love that you know I was starting to feel for for really just going through with this process and having an idea that this is something that I really need for myself, both not only documenting but also with just the surgery as well. So With that first scene, with me laying on the ground and breathing, you know, that could have been, I feel like, the whole video right there, but there were obviously a lot more things I wanted to say, and just, I think that process of, of showing that on film, being, you know, really, like, in my body and just so present, I feel like I say that a lot, but the amount of presence that I felt in my body, and you just, I, I can even think about it now, just sitting in this, like, sun-drenched corner of, of just feeling those tingles, right, in my hands, and feeling those tingles in, like, my feet really just feeling all of the, the, the uncomfortability, but also all of the beauty too that, that I'm sort of manifesting. And yeah, obviously, I think if you were to view it, you know, during the, during the pandemic, a lot of people desperately miss that kind of intimacy with people, being able to touch someone else's skin and breathe next to them and, you know, share the same breath. One of the, one of the more sadder things of this year is just the simplicity of breathing is under, so many different stressors, not only from this public health crisis that we're in, but also from the police <laughs> system that exists uh, that needs to change, really.
Coming up at Roulette on November 11th is a piece that I'll be presenting called Breath Cycles. I'll say that introducing, you know, an idea of wanting to facilitate a breathwork session with my music, you know, sort of just happened on a, I think on a whim initially, and then it became much more intentional. But the first time I tried to do something like this was at a DIY venue, and it was a party that I helped throw with a couple other people in response to a really awful New York Times headline that said, Trump is trying to write transgender people out of existence. First off, like as a journalistic, you know, place of integrity, like how do you even publish that headline, right? Because there's no way actually that you could write people out of existence. You could attempt to, but you won't succeed. And, you know, just with like the stroke of a pen, you know, people still exist. <laughs> after these things. So there can be attempts, uh, but they will fail. And I think that was the whole point of the event. Anyway, I had a group of people coming together for this event. And I was like, this is a great time to collectively breathe with each other. And I wanted to facilitate that. And again, this kind of just works with a lot of the self-care and self-compassion that I try to bring into my work. Breath work is something that I have done just on my own. Again, with Breathing being, you know, such a uh, difficult, 
I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, we've talked about this, but the amount of pressure of, of being able to breathe on an individual level and just also on a collective level too is under assault. So I, I felt like with this performance with Roulette, I really wanted to just have this sort of collective breathing exercise with people you know, from the safety of their homes, of course. And again, I've never done this, you know, a live stream attempt to to do a breathwork session with individuals with music while performing. Sort of, again, me becoming a little bit more comfortable with my voice. If there's something that, you know, is uncomfortable or, or even if it's just like a, you know, an idea of just wanting to be touched or wanting to have that intimacy, you know, those are the kinds of things that I want to explore with people through this performance. So we can breathe and we can be intentional about how we breathe into those thoughts. And on the technical side of things, I mean, it's just going to be a big table of electronics. One device, though, that, that I want to highlight is it's basically like a, it's like a wooden box that has contact mics on it. And as you touch it, it kind of works like an organ where it opens up um, different sounds at different pitches. And there's a sort of breathing patch, the way you can wire it up, it could kind of almost sound like breathing. Crystal Penulosa recorded live at Roulette in February of 2019. She'll appear in a live stream performance from Roulette on November 11, 2020 as part of our virtual concert series. The Roulette Tapes is a production of Roulette Intermedium. This project is made possible in part with support from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Grammy Museum. 
Our executive producer is David Weinstein. I'm Susan James. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.